Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 11, and we'll begin our story in verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the grace of what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you like being called names by chance? Do you like it when people slap a label on you? How do you feel when someone reduces your identity to one word? And maybe then they don't even bother using your actual name. When we lived in Korea, sometimes people would see us walking down the street. And from across the street, they might yell, Hey, foreigner, foreigner. Or maybe somewhat better, maybe, Sometimes they would just be like, hey, America, America. And, you know, usually they just wanted to say hello. But it was a little bit strange. We had to get used to it. Sometimes, though, when this kind of thing happens, you end up embracing it. The Society of Jesus. They called themselves by other names at first. People made fun of them for always talking on and on about Jesus, for trying to live like Jesus. And so they called them what? They called them Jesuits. And eventually the Jesuits just decided, hey, that has a nice ring to it. Jesuits. Let's go with it. Sometimes an insult turns out to be a great compliment. Sometimes a label that at first you resist actually strengthens your identity. And that's exactly what happened in Antioch. We're asking what the Antioch identity is today. The followers of Jesus had been imitating Christ for a year or two. And by that time, the community of Jews and Greeks together, their attitudes and their words and their actions made them so different from everyone else in town. And now when the townspeople 
wanted to tease them or to intimidate them or just to let them know that they were weird. They could just call out in the streets, hey, Christian, Christian, hey, little Christ. And after a while, the believers thought, you know what? Christian, that has a nice ring to it. Little Christ's? Are you kidding? I mean, that's what we hope to be in the end after all. Let's just go with it. And so we'll ask ourselves, how did they get their new name? What is the Antioch identity? This passage gives us four clues. They are little Christs because their community, number one, speaks to townspeople, submits to the 12, three, sits under teachers, and four, sends legal tender. I'm really trying here with the alliteration. It's a little corny, I know. But one, speaks to the townspeople. Two, submits to the 12. Three, sits under teachers. Four, sends legal tender. This is exactly what would earn us the nickname Christian in our own Antioch. So let's take a look. First, the first Christians are called Christians, called little Christs, because they're a community that speaks to the townspeople. We've been seeing a pattern over and over in our studies of the seven missional acts in the book of Acts. Barriers between people are broken down. Followers of Jesus just can't follow the old rules or fit inside the old fences. Stephen is stoned. Why? Because he speaks of a kingdom that's bigger than the temple in Jerusalem. But he knows the story and he can't help but speak it. Philip flees the violence of Jerusalem and he ends up in Samaria. The Samaritans are the traditional enemies of the Jews, but now they're family because Jesus breaks down barriers among believers. Philip speaks the good news to the African government official, and now the good news of Jesus is let loose on that continent as well. And then Cornelius and Peter can't believe it, but they're suddenly in a room with Jews and Gentiles watching each other get converted. They share a forbidden meal together, and they're born into a brand new international church together. It happens over and over in the book of Acts. And now we arrive in Antioch. And like most cities, there's Jews there. And like usual, these Jewish Jesus followers, they figure, let's speak to the Jews first. These followers of Jesus from Jerusalem are in exile but they know that their exile is also God's mission, that they weren't just scattered, but they were sent. And so off to the synagogues they go to tell the Jews that their Messiah has come in Jesus Christ. But what makes them Christians, little Christs? It's not their journey from Jerusalem to Antioch. These people were actually originally from this region, so they're just going home in a way. It's not their journey. After all, Jesus did not just cross geographical distance. He wasn't just sent a long way. He was sent across a great barrier of holiness. He moved into a neighborhood that wasn't just distant geographically, but that was morally distant, full of morally compromised people. His life had been eternally set apart exclusively for his father's purposes. Ours were not. But nevertheless, he, Jesus, the word of God, 
not only goes the distance to move into town and live among us, but he speaks himself to us. He addresses himself personally to us across this barrier of holiness. He announces God's kingdom to us. He speaks peace to us, even though we were far off. And so the followers of Jesus in Antioch, they become little Christs in imitation of Jesus. They cross a holiness barrier themselves. It seems superficial to us, but it was not to them. At first, they're all Jews, but then verse 20, they address themselves in Antioch uniquely to Greeks. And you see what they figure, right? They figure that if the Holy Son of God could come all the way from the holy and heavenly Jerusalem to earth to speak himself to unholy us, well then, gosh, we can come into the streets of Antioch and we can speak the word of peace to these Greeks who are, yes, not set apart yet for God's purposes, but who could be. But, but you might say the, the Greeks, and the Jews did say this often, the Greeks aren't holy. Too bad. <laughs> These Jews, originally from Cyprus and Cyrene, they just can't stay in the synagogues like they're supposed to. Mischief makers, all. Like Jesus left the heavenly Jerusalem, his people leave the synagogue and they speak to the townspeople. We were holy, but we weren't holy. And if he spoke to us anyway, then we can speak to these Greeks on the streets and call them to Christ. And if we can be made holy by grace, then anyone can. Result, verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So the believers in Antioch are little Christs because they speak to the townspeople. What else? Well, the believers in Antioch are little Christs because they're a family who submits to the 12. They submit to the 12. And the 12 here means the 12 apostles. These are the handpicked and personally trained and officially sent representatives of Jesus. They're the ones that are entrusted to communicate the word because they're the ones to whom the word spoke himself so intimately. And as the word spreads then from Jerusalem to Antioch and from the synagogues to the townspeople, the important question then becomes, is this the same word that the 12 were given? See, the 12, they feel themselves responsible. They want to check, they need to check and see if the Antioch identity is the Christian identity. They would have liked the famous Russian proverb, trust, but verify. And so they're going to send someone to check out what's going on. And the cool thing is, you know, they don't send the secret police. They're not spying. They send the guy who we learn earlier in Acts, Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement, Bar-Nabas, son of encouragement. The 12 think, you know, Barnabas knows the story of Jesus and his love like the back of his hands. He is our captain of encouragement around here. He will know if these Christians 
are really following Christ as soon as he gets there. And if they aren't, he'll show them how. And if they are, he'll just dump encouragement all over the fire of their faith. And the Christians receive Barnabas. They submit, therefore, to the 12 who sent him, which is just another way of saying they trust the eyewitnesses of Jesus, and they want the story that they're telling on the streets of Antioch to be the same story told by the 12 on the streets of Jerusalem. And the best way to learn how to tell their story better and better is to receive the 12's encouragement by receiving Barnabas's ministry with open hearts. And so they do. They submit to the 12. Antioch doesn't get to make up their own story. They can tell it with creativity and cultural savvy, but it's Jesus's story that saves and sets people apart. And these little Christs in Antioch, they love the story. They're living the story and they're going to stand strong in the story no matter what. So submitting to the 12 actually means embracing the story that they already love anyway. And that takes us to the third thing that earns the Antioch identity for these little Christs. They are a family who sits under teachers. Notice what Barnabas, son of encouragement, does. Verse 25, he thinks to himself, man, these little Christs are just eating up my encouragement. This is wonderful. But you know what they really need? They really need a great teacher. And I'm not sure I'm it. And so he says, stay here. I'll be right back. He runs to Tarsus and he fetches Paul. And then the two of them, verse 26, they teach these little Christs how to be a little bit more like Christ for an entire year. And notice, it's after a whole year of this encouragement and teaching and encouragement and teaching. That's when we read that these followers of Christ ended up getting their nickname. Their lives had changed so much that people were making fun of them for it. You see, when we sit under teachers who are pouring encouragement upon us and showing us all the twists and turns of the story that we already love, well, we're going to end up looking more like little Christs in our Antioch as well. You know, in Paul's list of qualifications for elders, for shepherds in the church, he says that they must be didacticon, didacticon. That means either able to teach or perhaps teachable. To be an elder, you have to be able to teach or teachable. In my judgment, it means both. You see, the 12 sit under Jesus' teaching so that the disciples can sit under the teaching of the 12. And now you and I sit under the teaching of disciples who were teachable and because they were teachable are now able to teach. We let them in to our lives so that we can imitate their lives and learn the story that they're telling and that they're living like the back of our hands. Because ultimately, we're all just trying to learn Christ Little Christs sit under the teachers of the way of Christ until they are rightly called Christians. And that's what we all must do as well. 
So then finally, the believers get to get the Antioch identity by not just speaking to the townspeople, not just submitting to the 12, not just sitting under teachers, but finally sending legal tender. That's a, a fancy word, if you're not aware of it, for cash money. As soon as God reveals through this prophet, Agabus, verse 27, that there's going to be a big famine in the empire, these little Christs of Antioch, they know right away that they have to respond. They are being ridiculed in Antioch, but gosh, they're not being stoned like the believers in Jerusalem in that tiny community there. So they gather their money together and they send it to the poor and persecuted brothers and sisters in Judea. It's like they're saying, Jerusalem, you sent the son of encouragement, Barnabas, to us. Now we're sending him back to you with our cash to encourage you. Barnabas sent the former persecutor, Paul, to us. And he taught us and taught us and taught us. And we, little Christ, now are sending him to you with our money because the big and true Christ has taught us through Paul that it is much better to give than to receive. They send their legal tender. Who does this? Who goes out of their safe space and into the streets to speak to the townspeople? Who submits to a story and sits under teachers from somewhere else in order to learn and to learn to live the story? Who sends their hard-earned cash to poor family members whom they've never met? The 19th century Scottish pastor and a hero of my old pastor, Robert Murray Machane, he said this. He said, the greatest gift that a pastor can give to his congregation is his own personal holiness. The American, contemporary American spiritual director, Ruth Haley Barton, she says that the best thing a Christian can bring to their leadership is their own transforming self. You see what Machane and Haley Barton are getting at here? If our Antioch outside these walls continues to believe that we're over here in a corner just doing our religion, keeping our traditions alive, they won't bother us on the street or call us names. They won't even know that we're following Christ. But if our Antioch discovers that we are not just remembering some bygone time, we're not over here curating a museum full of curious relics from the past, going through the motions, honoring our ancestors, but that we're over here learning and living a transformative and a transforming faith. If our very lives are being transformed, and our identities are being shaped into an Antioch identity well, then we're going to be known, aren't we, as a society of Jesus. We're going to be known as little Christs. When we are being transformed by the renewal of our minds, when we are offering our bodies as living sacrifices set apart exclusively for Christ, when all of our debts are canceled except for the debt of love, and we keep paying it 
in heart and word and deed, then we will start to have the Antioch identity. We will start to become little Christ and everyone will know it. And some of them will not like it. And some of them will really like it. Some of them will ask us to show them the way. And some of them will ask us to hit the road. Are you ready to offer one another and to offer your neighbors your own personal holiness? Are you ready to bring our church and our Antioch your own transforming self? Are you prepared to be named and maybe even teased as a little Christ? Well, the great and true Christ was teased, wasn't he? He was ridiculed. He was spat on. He was crucified. And he was called Christ by people who definitely didn't think he was the Christ. They were making fun of him for it. But then Christ himself was lifted up to the cross and lifted up from the grave and lifted up into glory. And he started drawing all kinds of people to himself. Are you one of them? Is your life being transformed by his resurrected life? Well, if so, then pretty soon you'll get the teasing. You'll get the name calling, but you'll also get the chance to become part of a community that draws all kinds of people in and points all kinds of people to the one after whom you've been named. Your life will become a Christian life and it will have a nice ring to it. Father, may the words that have come from my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight for you are in Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. We make our prayer in his name. Amen.